And now it's time on Flame CCR to take a look behind the studio's green door to find out who is in today's chat room. Midnight, one more night without sleeping. Watching till the morning comes creeping. Green door, what's that secret you're keeping? And now, are you listening? Well, welcome to Chat Room on Flame CCR, and I've got a very interesting guest with me this week, Simon Hollowell. It's someone I met about two months ago at a Christian meeting, and Simon has a most amazing testimony. If you are a reggae music lover, you might have seen the name Simon Dan, which is Simon Hollowell's stage name. Simon lives in Liverpool. You may be surprised that a Christian is into reggae music, but uh, Simon, welcome to Flame, and thank you for giving up your time. Hello, Nick. To be with us today, yes, many thanks. So I came back from Ethiopia, myself and my wife, my, my current wife, Pam, Pam Hollowell, 2006. And as I say, my faith within the Rasta theology was very shaken for a number of reasons. But I came back and one thing that I didn't want to do on returning to England was live back in, in a city. I decided that I would move up to Cumbria, where my brother, the next one up, had been living for quite some time in Whitehaven. And this is where now the Lord started, through revelation, opening my eyes. But he started primarily through my wife showing me the truths about certain things and through Christian television through you know various teachers and preachers on these programs a lot of things were starting to be revealed to me and then my mum had come to visit me and my brother and she'd had a heart attack while she was visiting so I decided then at that point to stay and look after my mum and then through that I started to get closer connection with some of the Scottish family the Campbells and one of those cousin Jackie had done a bit of a family study I then found out that my heritage through my mother's side. My roots came from Russia, Jewish roots, and they'd come out during the pogroms and had resettled in Estonia, changing the name from Brackman to Vide, more German-sounding. as Yes. Many, many, and then they'd started a shipping company and were settled in Newcastle marrying the Scottish line. Essentially, you're Jewish. Yes, in the fullest respect. It comes down through the female line. Although obviously yes. now I approach the Lord in that marvellous way that Ephesians 2 talks about, being the one new man. I then started realising that, uh, and I'm reading my scriptures much more now and realising fellowship was so much more important. So I went on the uh, internet and found a messianic fellowship up in Gateshead called Bet Yeshua, run by a marvellous rabbi, messianic Jewish rabbi. Uh, and that yes. was my first uh, encounter with messianic worship. Now my mother managed to come to that a couple of times because by this time she was born again. But she passed, I won't say sadly, because she's at home now with the Lord. Yeah. Full rest. Grace was actually a song that was written for me by a, a beloved brother of mine, um, Terence Golding. And that was actually recorded at Soul to Soul Studios, West London. It was released on what they referred to as the London 12 Voice album, 96, I think, 97. Right, okay. Upon the face of the deep and darkness is gone, gone. 
prepares a brighter place So meet your maker further on, on. It's not too late We've all got to carry the cross Help him with that burden Open to me at the boss Meet him at Zion Gate Yeah, oh It was cloudy and gray But the sun took its place And you know it's time to erase The negative accentuate the positive Moving in grace Jesus Christ and now is revealing He dipped his fingers in the clay Before you know it we were formed Man and woman But then evil got in the way And from his presence we were torn And it was cloudy and gray But the sun took its place And you know it's time to erase The negative accentuate the positive Moving in grace Jesus Christ and now is revealing Simon, so tell us a little bit about your story. You're not from Liverpool, that's clear. (laughs) So just tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure, Nick. Well, like many of us uh, looking back, I'd like to begin by giving thanks to the Lord for my life and the things that I've come through, the good and the bad, because they're all strengthening, um, especially when you're looking back on them, and it's all about teaching. I was born in the east end of London, Forest Gate, and uh, I lived in Forest Gate up until I think about the age of three. My mum and dad uh, split up. Uh, I was the youngest of uh, five children, the oldest being a lot older than me, about 16 years older, and I was the youngest by seven years. So by the time my my mum and dad split up, my mum had trained as a teacher, and so we moved up to Leicester in the Midlands. I think I was about three and a half, three and a half, four by that time. And did you have any sort of Christian input into your early life? Well, my mother, although was at the time I didn't realise, we were brought up very non-denominational. I mean, the interesting thing about that first track there was about the ways of the Lord. Now, my mum certainly had strong belief in Father God and uh, brought me up within that fear um, and that knowledge and understanding that we were created and that we didn't uh, come from a a single cell amoeba, crawl out into apehood and then by sheer chance and accident and course of nature become what we were. 
I've always believed that we were created beings. Well, because I can say amen to that, and you know exactly where I stand on the whole mm. creation-evolution issue. So, like me, your mum's a teacher in Leicester. That's where I did my uh, teaching year. After my degree, I did oh. one year teaching course, and I was in Leicester, of all places. In probably 1972, you may not have been around in those days. But um, take us on from there, because I, of all the people I've met, you probably lived in more places than any, anybody I've ever known. So, <laughs> carry on with the story, because it is fascinating. Yes, I've been a bit of a sojourner, Nick. Again, thanks be to God. I think probably around the age of seven or eight. I can't exactly remember how, but I remember coming across Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, and went home rather excited, as my mum recalls one time, uh, saying to her, I want to become a Catholic, mum. You know, I really want to go to church and get involved and uh, maybe become, you know, the, the altar boy, you know, swinging the incense and this sort of thing. At which point my mum announced to me that the family was Catholic and that I had actually been, what we call it, christened. Yes. At a very early age, um, as, as a baby, as, as the tradition of the said religion goes, which was a, a sort of straight away a bit of a, a, an eye-opener to me and, and also probably more so looking back with hindsight, but the beginnings of the Lord drawing me, as we read in Scripture, it's not us that approach the Lord, it's him that draws us. Yes. Uh, and in many, many ways, we, we don't see that at the time or understand it fully, but surely it was that. How did this uh, work itself out in your family life? Well, say by that time we moved to Leicester, there was only uh, myself and the next brother up, Frank, who uh, was still at home. The others had all left. And so my mum was uh, actually overjoyed at the time that I had, as I say, discovered or come back to what we considered at the time to be the way. Your mother was lapsed in the sense that she didn't go to Mass every Sunday, or did she? No, 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 that's right. I mean, I, I subsequently found out that my older siblings had, uh, had gone to convent schools and things like that in London, but I, I hadn't really been fully aware of that. I I went to a, 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 just an ordinary state infants coming up into the primary. But as I say, I can't remember the exact link, but I, I ended up attending this uh, church called the Holy Cross Church in Leicester, down on Blackfriars Way it was, I think, as I remember. Sort of around De Montford Hall, you probably know. Yeah, I know it well. Yeah. I know exactly where you are, yeah. And we were living in, uh, in Evington on the outskirts of Highfields. Yes. That will come into play a little bit further on in... I'm in guessing with the reggae connection, yeah. Very much so, yeah, within the black community. So by this time you were sort of secondary school age, and um, yeah. you were worshipping every Sunday at the, at the Catholic Church? Did you ever become... An altar server? Or? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. I say it's even prior to uh, secondary school education. I was still at primary. I then embarked on the journey that Catholics outlay, uh, i.e., sort of, um, you know, first communion and mm. uh, first confessions and, and heading towards confirmation. And so pursued that and became one of the, the head altar boys in that church, swinging the incense and holding the Bible open for the bishop on his various visits. Fantastic. So, where does the story go from here? This is fascinating. As I say, followed that, uh, I'd use the word devoutly, because as I said to you at the beginning, I always had a very firm belief in Creator God. And I got up to uh, sort of 11, 12, I guess, which is when, as some of the people know, it is around confirmation time. Uh, where you read through the catechisms and uh, attend various classes. And to be quite honest with you, Nick, this is where the divergence from the Catholic Church started. You started asking questions. That's a dangerous thing to do in the Catholic Church. Actually, you're very right. And <laughs> it, was, uh, it was shown to me, actually, in confirmation class when the priest got very irate with me and sort of started shouting at me, telling me, you're asking too many questions, which my response to him was, well, I thought that's what the word confirmation meant, that we confirmed the understanding of our faith in the Lord. Well, if you read the book of Job in the Bible, he asks loads and loads of questions. Exactly. And what I like about Job is he's not afraid to address them to God. If you look at Job's three comforters, they, they say a lot of words to Job. You never see any of them praying. They never pray to God. Mm. The whole of the book of Job. And so questioning God is, is not a problem. Mm. Because as we read through the scriptures, even the Lord Jesus on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Mm. So what a shame that you're young zeal for the Lord, your youthful zeal, was sort of suppressed by a priest telling you to shut up. How very sad. Pick this track. It's not one of mine, per se. It's by a band called Aswad that were, were very influential to me in my early walk. And this, this particular tune is a tune called Ways of the Lord, which... Uh, at the time I found Aswad or came across this band, and also subsequently afterwards, I have to confess my ways were probably not so much of the Lord, Nick, to be quite honest with you, but uh, it was the music that really was one of the pivotal things uh, that, that helped me head for the truth. Okay, so let's listen to Aswad, Ways of the Lord. 
the uh, music of Aswat and Ways of the Lord. So take us through the teenage years now, uh, Simon. Okay, well, I pretty soon after that decided, right, this isn't for me, the Catholic Church isn't for me. And uh, at the time, my older brother, uh, he'd been attending some sort of ecumenical type evangelical churches. And I attended a couple of them a couple of times. But I have to say, even throughout this time now, I was beginning to feel... And I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but feel uncomfortable in, shall I say, westernised church Christendom settings. Yeah, I think many of us have the same thing. We love Jesus, but well, we don't care much for his church. Yes. So how did you, how, does that, how did that work itself out? Well, around this time, I then went away to a boarding school, a military boarding school, the age of 14, because at that point I wanted to, I was sort of set on joining the army, and I wanted to join the parachute regiment particularly. But I ended up going to a school in, uh, now let me get this right, that's not exactly right, but it's this side of the country, close enough, yeah. yeah. And that was a naval boarding school. But just prior to going there, I'd come across some friends at the state secondary school, which I'd been attending, called Judge Meadow in Leicester, and was starting to hear about a thing called Rastafarianism. Really? Gosh, yeah. now you surprise me. I have to say at this point, you're not, you don't look like a Rastafarian. <laughs> your skin colour isn't right and you haven't got any hair. A bit, a bit, any you're hair being the same as me, yeah. <laughs> We're both like Elisha in the Bible. Yeah. So you don't look like a Rastafarian. Maybe you did when you were 14, 15, but that's very interesting because that's always associated with the black community. Now, of course, the reggae music link comes in. Mm. Well, tell us about it. Tell us more. Well, just prior to going away to the boarding school, and for a number of years prior, I'd been, you could almost say, adopted in a sense. It, it became that. My mum being a teacher, obviously, and me being at school, the timings, I'm sure you're aware of, of being a teacher, didn't always coincide, so I would leave school. And uh, she'd made an arrangement with a Jamaican family who lived just up the road, Mr and Mrs Powell. And it just started out, really, as, as me going there for an hour or so after school until she got home. And... But that sort of grew, and, and as my love and closeness to them grew, I ended up sort of very often staying up there and, and becoming very much part of their family. And their sons at the time were all beginning to, you know, as we as used to say, dread up and grow the dreadlocks. And, of course, I was listening, you know, to a lot of Bob Marley music and that kind of thing through the culture. So it was, it was the culture of it that initially attracted me, you know, the whole red, gold and green bootlace type oh, thing, yeah. you know, and, uh, and that's so, so to speak. So when I then went away to boarding school with this sort of pseudo-Rastafarian understanding, I'll call it at the time, you can imagine, Nick, that that was quite jarring for the military boarding school. <laughs> and I got into a number of uh, confrontations and scrapes with not so much the headmaster, he was, he was a lovely guy, but with certain of the staff because I wanted to wear red, gold and green beads. Other pupils were wearing St. Christopher's and things like that. And this was, I considered to be a mark of my faith. So <laughs> started on the battle, shall we say. Uh, I think that would be a very good place to, to play our next track which is called Fuss and Fight, and it's by a band that you're now part of. Mm. More about the band later, but they're called Nucleus Roots, and so this is a track from their first album. This is called Fuss and Fight.
Okay, well that's uh, a reggae track there, a quite distinctive track by Nucleus Roots, featuring our guest today, Simon Hollowell, Simon Dan, and it's called Fuss and Fight. So, yes, I can imagine a military and naval boarding college and Rastafarianism don't exactly gel together like, um, <laughs> like Christmas pudding and cream. Anyway, never mind. No, no, it didn't. Um, but I, I completed the two years, and uh, I had then decided to still continue with my aim of joining the army. And I went on army selection to Sutton Coalfield, as I remember. Again, the Lord's hand works so mysteriously when you look back, so righteously and so so marvelously. In as much as uh, I failed the maths test for the uh, parachute regiment, but quite strangely passed it for the junior Royal Engineers which the, the selection officer then asked me to sit outside while he wrote up the paperwork and then came out and said to me, bear in mind now, Nick, I'm 16 at that point, uh, he says, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, son, but you're too old. And it transpired that uh, the junior intake for the engineers was November, 1st of November. My birthday is the 1st of October, so I would have been 17 prior to the intake. And so I was too old. So he said to me, well, he offered me other options like the Pioneer Corps and that. I didn't fancy digging latrines and that for the rest of my career. So okay. I said to him, no, no, I'll, I'll return at 18 and, uh, and join the regulars. And so I left there and went back to Leicester after leaving TS Indefatigable, which was the name of the school in Clanvire PG. I won't attempt uh, to... Pr- Quote the name again and nope. don't to insult the Welsh <laughs> contingent of we listeners. We do have listeners in Wales who probably be fuming at your attempts. <laughs> I'm, but, uh, I'm sure. They are forgiving. They're Christians. They'll forgive. Very much so, yeah, yeah. No, I had, I had good times there. Uh, 
to a certain extent. Anyway, so then I returned back to Leicester now and sort of resumed closer contacts with... With the Powell family. With the Powell family and, and others. And, and this is when I remember going to the Highfields Community Centre to listen to reggae music and, you know, sort of meet people of my own age, and as you do at 16, 17. And I remember there meeting another Rasta who I asked, what Bible do the Rastas read? To which he replied, well, actually, the ordinary Bible, the King James and particularly, he, he started telling me about an organization that he belonged to called the 12 Tribes of Israel. And they recommended the sort of, I would say, the main precept or ordinance of the organization was to read one chapter a day from Genesis 1 down to Revelation 22. And they recommended the Schofield Reference Bible, particularly. With all its uh, dubious footnotes as well. But yes, I agree now, yes. For those Merseysiders who don't know anything about Highfield in Leicester, this is an ethnic area, hmm. and um, I mean, you couldn't be the only white person there, but I'm guessing that the majority of people there were black people, mm, Afro-Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah, predominantly. Yeah. And you were accepted within this community, because obviously the Powell family had, had accepted you. Were they Christians, by the way? They sound They were, they yes, sound uh, they people. weren't particularly practicing, I don't think, but uh, no, I mean, as I said earlier, the, the whole thing with the connection between the Caribbean and, and church life is, is very close. Very sure. And how did your mum, as a teacher, accept the way your life was heading at this point? Well, did she understand? No, not really at that point. We used to have what we used to term, or I used to term later on, as curfew arguments, because by this point, I then uh, attended uh, my first 12 tribe meeting down in London and started hearing things like, you know, the Pope is the Antichrist and all these sorts of things. So you can imagine me uh, arriving home and pointing at the picture on the wall. And by this time, she had returned to the Catholic Church and was having um, priests and monks around for dinner and all this sort of thing. Uh, and so she was very... Uh, it rubbed her up the wrong way now, me coming and telling her things like that. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also some of what I've later to become to realise at that stage, there was a doctrine within, uh, and still is within certain sects of Rasta, that, of course, Haile Selassie was the sort of second advent or reincarnation of Jesus Christ. She was quite rightly, uh, <laughs> in my view now. Yes, we don't believe that, and I'm sure you don't know. Not at all, no, no. not at all. I mean, great Christian king, undoubtedly, and having lived in Ethiopia uh, subsequently, I, I've seen a lot of good works that he did and have a lot of respect for him, but even he himself never never claimed divinity and, and in many of his speeches, uh, quite to the contrary, very vigorously confirmed and affirmed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour and that he himself was a follower and disciple of, of our Lord. And I think worth remembering that there was a church in Ethiopia long before there was mm. a church in the UK, anyway, in Western Europe, because we have the story of the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch on his way back from Jerusalem for one of the feasts. Mm. And stories ex exist of, you know, for example, the um, the Ark of the Covenant is lost and has actually been is hidden away in Ethiopia. So there's always been a link between Ethiopia, which am I right? Was called Cush in the Bible. Is that Ethiopia? That's right. Yeah. And so the Church of Ethiopia is historically goes back a long, long way, but mm. obviously has been confused and mingled with uh, with some strange ideas about Haile Selassie. But let's have our next piece of music. Do you want to introduce this one because it uses a word that I think I know what it means, but you need to explain it, perhaps. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, within the, the sort of Rastafarian uh, community, the language is English, obviously, and so they use the term Jah for a name of God, which I've subsequently found out is one of the very earliest Hebraic expressions of the name of God, being Yehovah, Yahweh. And so this tune is actually called um, Jarul, which says everything, I think. God rules. He's he, the master. He certainly He's does. Let's hear it. Thy part, lead me in 
Okay, that was Simon's band, Nucleus Roots again, with one called Yah Rule. And Yah, yes, Yah, Yahweh, Jehovah. So, back to your story, Simon. Did you join the army at 18 in the end? I didn't, thankfully, Nick. They didn't have any regiments for uh, dreadlocks Rastaman, which uh, by that time I had started growing my dreadlocks and uh, really quite fervently following Rasta philosophy. And you must have been fervently following to have to travel from Leicester to London for your meetings of the uh, 12, 12 tribes, 12 tribes, 12 tribes of, of Israel. Israel, yeah. Not only to London, but they have a headquarters in Manchester. And so for the first two or three years of that, I joined when I was, I think it was about 17, actually January the 20th, 84 I joined, and was travelling both to all the functions, not just meetings, we had dances and what we called celebrations certain times of the year between London and Manchester. It was... Uh, Both quite a long way from Leicester, though. It was, it's yeah. quite dedication and uh, yeah. comes into having to follow your, your newfound yeah. faith, yeah? Well, because it's based so much... I mean, I have to say this. It, it is very Hebraic. You know, Rastafarianism, for want of a better terminology, uh, is very Hebraic. And, of course, the, the root of the Jewish people has always been... Uh, and the nation of Israel and the Israelites were of a travelling, sojourning people. And uh, the, the other main sort of precept of the organisation was... A about repatriation to Ethiopia. So um, travelling 100 miles either way up and down the M1 or the M6 respectively was uh, not considered as a yeah. great deal of travel considering we were, we were heading for the, as we thought, the promised land or, or you know, wrongfully terminology, Zion at that time viewing Ethiopia as such. And yet I remember, was this the time of the Falashas, the Jews that came out of Ethiopia and went back to Israel? Is that about the right time? Well, yes, around that time, funnily enough, there was a programme just on BBC One this week about the forgotten Jews of Ethiopia and the way Israel miraculously, uh, obviously from the programme miraculously, uh, God used Israel to bring them out. Uh, it goes back to something you mentioned earlier in the connection between Ethiopia and Israel or the, the, the Israelites because under Ethiopian written history and oral history, the, the first connection was when the Queen of Sheba, who is considered to be one of the queens of Ethiopia, oh. travelled to Judea. To see um, King Solomon, yes, with a famous story, yeah. And it's uh, quite widely accepted and believed in and within Ethiopian tradition and history as written down in a, in a book called the Kibra Nagast. Um, that there was a, a union between the two and that Sheba actually uh, became pregnant with a son for Solomon. And this is how, according to Ethiopian history, and we'd need probably a, a week's length of programme to really... <laughs> I'm not sure, I think fringe people might... Uh, it might yeah. have some views yeah. on that, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, basically, that's where the Ethiopian view of the Ark of the Covenant rest, being brought to Ethiopia Oh, right, lies. I see. In my tradition, further yeah. understanding and, and research, that's very debatable as to whether it was that time that the Ark came to Ethiopia. Oh, I do yeah. believe it's there. Yeah, that's an interesting it. thing. Yeah. So we've already heard three tracks by yourself on this programme. The, the Aswad track at the beginning was the only one that isn't you singing. So your musical interest, when did this develop and how did this blossom? Well, I've always been into music. I mean, my grandma had degrees in music, uh, was a le travelling lecturer. Uh, my mum was a music teacher and English. My father, I believe, was uh, an accomplished uh, violinist. Uh, and the rest of my family all play 
brother's an accomplished brass band player. My oldest brother actually has done quite a bit of session work over the years with people like Genesis and as a guitarist. They're all sort of um, well-versed with the reading and the writing, maybe not so much with the performance side of things. But right from school, I remember getting to a point where they actually had to prevent me from uh, getting up and doing the school assemblies all the time. I've been a singer all my life. And my earliest, earliest uh, recollection of a school report was of the music teacher at at Linden Primary School in Leicester saying, uh, you're going to be something in the music business. I don't quite know what, but... um so music's had that... Uh, so you weren't so much an instrumentalist, but you were a vocalist. Yeah. I am, I still am. I don't yeah. really consider myself or call myself a musician because I don't read and write music. I write my own songs, or rather I'm given the inspiration by the Almighty to write these songs, and the melodies that come, I believe, are inspired. Mm. But I'm, I'm not a technically or classically qualified musician. I'm, I'm an entertainer, performer, singer. I mean, again, I'm not quite sure of the... Uh the workings of a Rastafarian meeting, but did you get an opportunity to share your gift in the in the gatherings? Very much so. Moving in Grace was actually a song that is still owned by the 12 Tribe organisation. It was written for me by a, a beloved brother of mine, um, Terence Golding, and that was actually recorded at Soul to Soul Studios. Um, you probably remember Soul to Soul. Oh, uh, in South London. Jazzy B. Yeah, uh, well, I do. West London more. Um, West London, right. Had a couple of hits and Back to Life and things like that. And that was recorded there, and, and we signed that over to uh, 12 Tribes and that was released on what they referred to as the London 12 Voice album. This would be late 80s wouldn't it? Um, no a bit later than that. Later that was recorded about 96 I think. 97. Right okay. Well of course the whole soul to soul thing yes was very big mm. at that time yeah, yeah I do huge. remember it. So that then became the, the Lost Tribes. The Twelve Tribes. Twelve Tribes, I say. And, and so within the Twelve Tribes, being a worldwide organisation, they had various what we call bodies or segments of the main organisation. And so I joined the music body in London and uh, subsequently sort of gained a lot of experience stage-wise, life performance-wise in those early days. And I'm guessing eventually you moved to London to be down there rather than staying less time, am I right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, after coming back from boarding school in '84. I'd actually moved back to London to live in Brixton in uh, 85. So you're right at the heart of the black community there Very and the much. reggae scene, yes. Yeah. Although some much of it not linked to Christianity. but No, not in the truest sense of the word that I've now come to understand. But yet, as I said to you earlier, very biblically based, a lot of reggae music is. And now looking back, without the full understanding at the time, very Hebraically rooted. Mm. Well, let's listen to another piece of music where you're singing, Simon. Do you want to say something about this track called Bow Down? Yeah, that's a track that was released on uh, the latest vocal album that Nucleus Roots released, actually back in 2005 now. And it's a a, a song self-written, but as I say, I believe divinely inspired. And it's a track that uh, I love very much. uh, It means a lot to me. And I'm guessing there's a scripture that uh, lies behind it as well. Well, yes. I mean, I think still at the time, if I'm fully honest, it was uh, a song that was written not so much with the divinity of Haile Selassie in mind, but at that point I'd begun to really learn about the King of Kings and the Lion of Judah, uh, obviously through the Rasta connection, and then reading in Revelation, for example, which is where Schofield headlines it, Christ in his kingly character. Mm. Um, And so this song was very much about Israel and life generally as we move through, you know. Well, let's hear you sing it, Simon. Thank you.
Simon Dan, Simon Hollowell is his real name, and with us today on chat room, Simon Dan is his stage name, and that's the track he wrote himself and sung in the song himself called Bow Down. Okay, so I know now that Nucleus Roots, which is your band, are based in Manchester. How did things move from London to Manchester? Obviously, between uh, towards the end of the 80s into the 90s, um, I met a, a lady from Huddersfield, and we had two children, three eventually, Solomon, Grace, and Miriam. They're my beloved children. Wonderful biblical names, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. This is what I say, you know, the, the whole experience within the Rasta community was gearing me that way, although uncontextually. So, you know, that's always been a move within me anyway. So the sad thing happens now, as, as is often the case in life, you know, the relationships we, we have hadn't actually got married, which is, uh, you know, a great... Uh sorrow of mine you know now looking at things biblically anyway we unfortunately got to a point where we thought we'll, we need to split up and so I left the family house uh, in, uh, in I think it was back in 99 now at that point I had spent time in Ghana there's so many things that we haven't covered here Nick but obviously time permitting isn't it so I had a choice of either going to live in Ghana where I had at that time bought some land uh, or really staying in the country because at the time the children were young and I thought well no I'll head up to Manchester because you know there was another head quarters of 12 tribes there and I had contacts and at that point I'd actually come across Nucleus Roots or heard of them through the Bredgen who'd written Moving in Grace he'd always been telling me about these guys so I thought well no the natural thing natural progression now would be to head to Manchester where the organisation was functioning and these guys albeit within a secular world of music were operating were performing yeah. yeah okay and um, you say so you, you spent some time in Ghana. Just to sidetrack a little bit, you spent some time in Ethiopia as well. That's more recently, yes. Oh, in, right, uh, okay. 2005 to 2006, I was there for about a year. So Nucleus Roots, so you joined the band? They yeah. would have known of you and you would have known of them. That's right, yeah. It was sort of from distance mutually known. And I say, 99, I moved up there. They were just releasing their first album, which I wasn't actually on, although I've got a mention on, you know, sort of a, a thanks to. And I started recording and touring with them, I'd say sort of early noughties, to coin that phrase, uh, 2001, 2002. And you still remain a member of the band? Yeah, I still do a lot of work with Paul and the guys and Moses, the other lead singer. We've more recently, over the last few years, been going out as what they call a sound system based operation logistically it's easier but i don't half miss the live band i'm a i'm a, I'm a bandsman you know yes i see that <laughs> it's easier to travel as a sound system and certainly around europe you know cost wise logistically so well, your ministry is actually international rather than just national oh yeah very much so yeah i've, I've been i mean sort of tracking back a little bit so i've had the chance to perform in the caribbean in africa a lot and and northern western and now more recently eastern europe fantastic yeah. and so spiritually Take us back to the story of your spiritual development, because the way you and I met personally was at a meeting where, well, it wasn't a Rastafarian meeting, because neither of us have got the hair, the hair for it these days. It was yeah. at a, a more conventional meeting in, yeah. in Liverpool of yeah. um, prophetic witness, which yeah. looks very conservatively at the prophetic scriptures in the Bible. Yeah. So take us through the last sure. bit of your journey. Well, it's not the last bit, the current bit. Hopefully we've got a long, long journey oh, to see. go, yes. haven't we? Yeah. True, um, yeah. As we do, it's a learning process. 
On return from Ethiopia, 2006, uh, at that point now, the Lord had been really working in my life, showing me, look, the Rasta philosophy is, uh, in my opinion now, I think we discussed in the car on the way up to the studio, Nick, uh, it's an eisegesic view of scripture and prophecy. Oh, you better explain that to our listeners. Exegesis and eisegesis. Yeah, theologically speaking, um, there's two ways, really, of reading the Bible eisegesis which basically means you fit the bible into your life's experiences your environments your culture which of course is the the incorrect way to read it Uh, we need to fit our lives and we need to come to the lord after being drawn by the father to fit our lives into the bible because we're sinners we need to repent the word repent means to to do a 180 degree turn yes not continue with the things that we're doing but to come now and, and worship the lord in spirit and in truth now the thing was it was unbeknown to me at this time the the hebraicness of rasta that had obviously been drawing me and to this day i still firmly believe the lord allowed me to go through that time to confirm certain things and to start to teach me certain things however coming back from ethiopia now in 2006 i realized there was a lot of false doctrine for example one of which it's an organization that considers itself to be 144,000 elect Right. So, of course, to the Jehovah's Witnesses, but we will all call them a cult. And, of course, I suppose eisegesis, reading into Scripture what you want, you could argue that there's no Roman Catholics of anybody's. But there are things in Catholic doctrine that are actually not in the Bible. Mm. Mary's Assumption, Mm. Mary's Immaculate Conception, they're not scriptural, but they have come from church tradition. So exegesis, that Mm. is basically letting the Bible interpret the Bible rather than letting people do it. That's right, yes. Exegesis is reading into it. That's it. I remember it this way, you know, I, it's about I, me. Oh, Uh, I see. Yes, good, very good. Big mistake. Anything left to I or me turns to... It's going to be tainted because we're sinners. Completely. So how how do you get involved in the church in Manchester now that you're a part of? So I came back from Ethiopia, myself and my wife, my, my current wife, Pam, Pam Hollowell, and as I say, my faith within the Rasta theology was very shaken for a number of reasons. But I came back and one thing that I didn't want to do on returning to England was live back in, in, in a city. And I'd had enough of that and I love the country life and Ethiopia had certainly given me a taste for that. So on return, I decided that I would move up to Cumbria where my brother, the next one up, had been living for quite some time in Whitehaven just outside. So we went back up there, me and my wife, or rather went up there to live. And this is where now the Lord started through revelation, opening my eyes. And it's funny, you know, Nick, um, you know, men, <laughs> we can be a stiff-necked bunch, can't we? Oh, yes, absolutely. And the Lord often uses that to, I'm sure, anyone who says he doesn't have a sense of humor doesn't know the character of our mind yes. God, you know. But he started primarily through my wife, showing me the truth about certain things. And through Christian television, which up until that point, I was just vehemently opposed to most forms of mm. Christian television and churchianity. Yes. Religion, yeah. Is a, is a good phrase yes. I've learned recently, rather than true Christianity. Anyway, through these programs and through you know various teachers and preachers on these programs, a lot of things were starting to be revealed to me. And then my mum had come to visit me and my brother, and she'd had a heart attack while she was visiting. Gosh, yeah. And I was just about in the process of returning to Ethiopia, having subsequently received a TESOL certificate, but this time I was going to go back, you know, more as an open book rather than as, as a Rastama, teaching English as a second language. Ah, right, I see, yeah. But obviously when my mum had her heart attack and the rest of my blood family, as I call them, they've all done the career mortgage type thing and and i thought well you know one thing my mum's not going to end up one place my mum's not going to end up in a home so i decided then at that point to stay and look after my mum and we have to say at this point that your wife pam is actually a liverpool girl she is yeah from sort of the l8 area Uh, right her family's very mixed but uh, a black lady and you you now live well right on top of liverpool university in just in l7 but yeah very close to the heart of uh, the black community in liverpool that's fantastic very much i mean we're near the end of your story but before we play our last song you discovered something about your own roots a few years ago that absolutely gobsmacked me i have to say mm. and the car coming tell us about how you discovered your background and this brings us back to the actual question you asked me a minute ago about how i came to be at the church in manchester yeah. um, sorry if i'm rambling <laughs> it's a, it's a full on, story it's well around this time now and the lord revealing these things to me and then because of looking after my mum she was living in hampshire we moved her back up north she was a northern girl originally from newcastle particularly but we had the connection in cumbria so i moved her back up there and then through that i started to get close 
closer connection with some of the Scottish family, the Campbells, and one of those sort of second cousin, twice, three times removed or something, cousin Jackie, had done a bit of a family study, and this is where I then found out that my heritage through my mother's side, which is all important within uh, yes. Hebraism or Hebraicness, uh, rather, don't like the wordism, comes down through the female line, funnily enough. Yes. Anyway, so this then, I mean, it was like it was like getting hit by the high-speed West Line train, really. Yeah. Nick. You know, it suddenly dawned on me that this is why I hadn't felt comfortable in churchianity, as I call it, because my roots came from Russia, Jewish roots, and they'd come out during the pogroms and had resettled in Estonia, changing the name from Brackman to Vide, more German-sounding, as yes, many, many for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons, yeah. And then they'd started a shipping company and were bringing, rather than coals to Newcastle, but pit props from yes, the Baltic forests. Yeah, right. And then, again, it was the, the female line that had uh, settled in Newcastle marrying the Scottish line. This is the subject of another interview in Give Because the... You'll have to come back. I mean, we're yeah. near the end of our time, uh, right. Simon, but, yeah. but it's absolutely fascinating. So you're actually, essentially, you're Jewish in many in yeah. many respects. Yes, in the fullest respect, although obviously yeah. now I approach the Lord in that marvellous way that Ephesians 2 talks about, being the one new man, neither Jew nor Gentile, yet both. There's only two sets of people on the face of the earth. You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. Yes. Um, but we all go back to Adam and Eve. We are well, all... Back to Noah, actually. Yeah. And before yes. Noah, you know, yeah. the, the first man and first woman, yeah. Adam and Eve. Yeah. And so we're all related anyway. The divergence comes from the Abrahamic covenant and the, the seed of Abraham and so forth. Subject, another topic uh, for, for discussion. But anyway, to try and wrap this up, I then started realising that, uh, and I'm reading my scriptures much more now and realising fellowship was so much more important. So I went on the uh, internet and found a messianic fellowship up in Gateshead called Bet Yeshua run by a marvellous rabbi, messianic Jewish rabbi called Lawrence Levine. Love him to bits. Uh, and that yeah. was my first uh, encounter with messianic worship. Now, my mother managed to come to that a couple of times because by this time she was born again. She'd left the Catholic doctrine behind and, and uh, become born again. But she passed, I won't say sadly, because she's at home now. With uh, the Lord. With the Lord. Yeah. Full rest. Sometimes that's quite uh, yeah. quite appealing, <laughs> isn't it? Well, this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, we're going to be on our last track. And after our last track, I'm going to ask you how you may link more with flame in the future and how our listeners may hear your voice again. The 
to the people Today man-made chemistry It seek to destroy us all And it was cloudy and gray But the sun took its place And you know it's time to erase The negative packs into it The positive moving grace Jesus Christ and now is revealing So we'd like to hear more of you Simon Yeah Tell us about your plans and how Flame might cooperate Well in now the I'm based in Liverpool I say cutting long story short I came back to Liverpool to join my wife who'd come back from Cumbria just prior to my mum passing We got involved with Sulam Yaakov which I, I would encourage people to check the website. Um, that's the church in Manchester. That's the fellowship yep. in Manchester that John Young uh, pastors, uh, messianic, true Bibles teaching, you know, it's fabulous. So now based here um, and uh, looking to maybe, as well as continuing to work with Nucleus, I'm, I'm looking to try and branch out with a solo career as well and, and uh, get more into entertainment, generally speaking. And then, of course, you mentioned it, where the t- we met at a prophetic witness meeting. Yeah. Witness, yeah. And John sort of mentioned to you, oh, he'd, uh, you know, Simon would be a good subject of a testimony, given my, my absolutely fascinating today. Yes, um, thank you very much, and uh, all glory to God, of course. And so we decided that we would try and get this meet, get this uh, chat uh, room going, which I give. But in the future, yeah, we, I know nothing about reggae music. Yeah, yeah. The only track I remember is called The Israelites by Desmond Decker. Which you see, the thing is, Nick, Go reggae on. music is, uh, and this is why I've got a, a very beloved brethren sitting here with me today. He hasn't, uh, he's been very quiet in the corner there, but he's uh, very instrumental in my latter walk, you know, in identifying the fact that reggae music is extremely scriptural. And there's an awful lot of reggae artists who have come from a secular background, albeit, who are now coming to the Lord in droves. That's amazing. And being born again, truly, yeah. uh, and now singing about Jesus Christ. Christ and the gospel and the scriptures. Well, the good news as we close today, Simon, the listeners to Flame, you're going to hear Simon and his friend Russell yes. presenting Christian reggae music program. Watch this space or listen to this space. Absolutely. And you're going to hear Simon again. Simon, God it's been willing. fantastic to have you today. Oh, and uh, you here. must come back and do another chat room. But, but hopefully we'll hear more and more of you on Flame Radio. Thank you so much for today. God bless you, Nick. God bless everybody that's listening. And it was cloudy and rain. But the sun took its place and you know it's time to erase The negative packs into it, the positive moving grace Jesus Christ and now is revealing It was cloudy and gray But the sun took its place and you know it's time to erase the negative accent you with the positive moving right Jesus Christ and now is revealing Now is revealing We've closed the chat room door, but please tune in next time to Flame CCR on 1521 Medium Wave for more from Green Door Studios Chatroom. Green Door! We hope you enjoyed this program, which is under the copyright of Rural Christian Media Limited. Details of the Flame CCR broadcasts and webcasts are on our website, www.flameradio.org. Thank you for listening.